So today I'm going to talk about passion. It's quite a big one. Just going to talk about it, something I've, that's been in the back of my mind now for a little while. And I just wanted to put some words to it. I think it's quite important, but it's not acknowledged. It's a hard thing to acknowledge, actually. Passion. It's not something you can teach someone. And the person experiencing passion, it's, it's not something you do to yourself. It's like something that's there, but you have to the courage to connect with it. It's like a feeling within. It's drawing you. It's kind of coming off within. It's drawing you to certain things. But it's whether you have the courage to acknowledge it and connect with it. And even then, it's still, it's still hard to even... Like starting off, you might even notice there's anything there. Like when I look back on my own life, it's like I spent quite a number of years feeling quite numb to myself, feeling like I had no real passion for anything. But looking back on it, it was more of a coping mechanism. Because when you connect with your passion, connect with your heart, you're leaving yourself open to heartbreak, disappointment, rejection, failure, all the good stuff in life. And like I feel at some point in my life, it wouldn't have been a conscious decision, but I would have decided to close off my heart don't take a chance because of just the heartbreak and whatever I was experiencing was too much or it's too difficult like when I'm looking back at it too it's kind of it's a child who would have a child's brain that would have made just these decisions and yeah it's not like I look back at it and think and judge that child it's like you, you do the best with what you're given it's survival mode you're in so you do what you can, your brain does what it can, what it, what, what it can for you to survive. But as an adult then, it's recognizing that those decisions that your child's brain made aren't relevant to the context you find yourself in because you're no, you're no longer in the same context. So you're doing yourself a disservice if you're still being run, if you're still letting your mind be run by those programs. They served a purpose in the past, they're not relevant now, so it's time to work on them. Work through them so you can move forward and not stay stuck in the past. The best way I know of actually doing that is just pay attention to how I'm feeling in my body. So again, that's been a gradual progression. Starting off years ago, I wouldn't have been that aware of how I was feeling because I wasn't really that connected to my heart. But over the years, it's become a bit better with practice to notice like how I'm feeling before I react. Who was talking about it? Was Victor Frankl maybe? It's noticing the space in between your reaction. Like if something the essence of that, that's where your freedom exists. Stimuli and response maybe it was. But it's noticing the feeling in your body before you react. And with the passion, sometimes, and not even sometimes, recently I've been kind of noticing that sometimes there's a rage that can be activated in me if I feel disrespected by someone. And I'm just wondering how much of that can be transmuted into passion, which would be more of a positive, for me it's more of a constructive positive force. Like you can use your passion to create things. You can use your passion as well to connect with other people with similar passions. Whereas with the rage, it's it's the thing. Rage, I think, if it's channeled in the correct way, can help you to stand up for yourself. But the thing is, I don't know whether when you channel that rage, 
in a healthy way, whether it is still rage. I'm not too sure of that yet. It might just manifest as like healthy anger. Or it might be able to manifest as passion. So what would get me thinking about it too is sports. So I recently saw a dressing room speech by Ron Nogara in French to some French rugby players. And it was a funny one because I thought, from my impression was that he had a good grasp on the French language. But he'd throw in the odd English word like fucking. That made it sound a bit more like pigeon French than anything. And I was wondering why is he doing that? Why didn't he just why didn't he just use the French for that? What do they say? Oh, they say a lot of different things. Actually, that's even an interesting one. The relationship, like how curse words are perceived in a foreign language. Because my impression of being in like a more of a francophone environment was that words like merd for shit and putan. Putan is whore, but I think it's like fuck as well. But they seem to be used more loosely in the office than say in an English environment. So even that's quite quite interesting. But I diverge back to um. I'm diverging too much. I'll, I'll go back to Ron Nogara. But uh, got me thinking about maybe his expression in English was the only way he could convey the intensity of his passion, which was kind of it was kind of passion rage. So he was expressing an anger, but there was passion there. So it was like he was expressing. So I suppose this doesn't need to necessarily be Ron Nogara, but it, any manager that's passionate, it's like you're harnessing. An aggression but it's in a constructive way because the players can do something with it they can win a match they can do something that's constructive with it so that's what got me thinking about that there just the relationship with rage and passion I think how, how we got thinking about passion in general is at the moment I've got a picture in my room it's something that I printed off it's from the myth of Sisyphus it's a drawing that David did with a quote from Albert Camus saying there is scarcely any passion without struggle the ironic thing is that the word without is spelled incorrectly. I think passion took me over. I don't know how the hell I spelled that wrong. I can remember that. I remember posting that on social media, instantly seeing that I spelled that wrong, taking it down, putting up a new one with the correct spelling. And somehow I managed to send the wrong version to the printer. And that's what it came out with. The thing is, when I saw that, I was like, oh, what the hell? I probably could have swapped it or even just reordered a new one with the correct spelling. But it, it got me thinking that's possibly the nebulous of what I'm talking about today is that balancing act between technical technicalities and passion. Like when I look at that now, that word initially irritated me, the without being spelled wrong. But then it got me thinking, does that take away from the amount of work that was put into reading that book, dissecting it, David doing a drawing, Albert Camus coming up with that quote to begin with, the work he would have put in to come to that conclusion. Does that take away from all of that just because one word is spelled incorrectly? And the pedantic asshole would say yes. But the person in me that's actually a human being says no. That in a, in a way that that is the... That is just a reminder for me now that if you over-focus on technicalities, you'll lose the whole point of what you do. Uh, that's what got me thinking about the passion episode today. And that also reminds me of Dadaism. They had a technique where they cut up a newspaper, jumble it up in a bag, 
and then take it out, read out the words. It would only be by chance if any of it was coherent. Most of the time it wouldn't be coherent. Law of averages, I guess. The probabilities are that it, there wouldn't be any coherence there. But that technique and this image as well reminds me that like the whole purpose of the arts and humanities creating something is to connect with people more on a heart level and hopefully their mind will be led more by their heart. It also reminds me of ideologies. So my goal here, I guess, is to connect with you more on a heart level so you can actually express whatever it is you want to express. The worst case scenario for me is that this has become something that's like an ideology. Because I've had experiences with that in the past. Uh, nothing too extreme. But it's, it's just this sense that you belong to a group as long as you think in a certain way. And as long as you're disconnected from your heart. But the moment you start questioning it and thinking some of it's not correct or some of it doesn't resonate with you. The moment you start connecting with your heart and valuing that. See, the thing is, when you connect with your heart, you realize that you have a better understanding that, like, the people in powers of authority, the, their authority over you is in direct relation to, to I think, to, the, to what you buy into it. You have to buy into their authority, too, at some level. Yeah, at some level, you have to buy into their authority. So it's... Uh, so that's the thing, when you connect more people on a heart level, I feel like it's a, an equalizer. You're speaking to them more on a level playing field. A level playing field of we're different, we're just different. We're not superior, inferior, we're different. Now obviously, I suppose in day-to-day -day life, the way society is set up and stuff, that's probably a naive point of view, but what I'm creating here isn't for that. What I'm creating here is just more of a conversation, just talking things out, hopefully at more at a human level. Another way I see passion play out, and it's quite a, a quite a normal, I guess, if I can use that word, it's quite a, a normal presentation of it. People passion just to learn a language. So sometimes I encounter people who are adults. They're not in an education system. They don't have to learn a language for their job, yet they're drawn to learn a new language. For me, that indicates there's a passion that's driving them that's pushing them to do that. There's, there's no logical sense for them to do it. There's no practical need to do it. It's just uh, it's more of a heartfelt desire to do it. Where I sometimes, what I sometimes notice is then the difficulty they have implementing action on it. Like just consistently following through on it. And my hypothesis would be that this person is being drawn to something because there's just a passion in them. It's not something they're forcing, it's just there. They're just choosing to connect with it, follow it. It just feels exciting, feels good to them. Then I think what can be blocking is potentially they can go back into the mindset of learning a language in school where the focus is just more on technicalities and structure and grammar. There's very little, if any, focus on passion and communication and on figuring out why does a student want to learn the language? How is it relevant? Those types of questions, those types of more human, passion-based questions, there's not really much room for it. 
And the feelings I can remember more in school mightn't been necessarily for French, because I just would have had a draw at the French, but for other subjects anyway, it would have just been a feeling of boredom, obligation, to put in work. But it wouldn't have been led more from curiosity and passion. So that's kind of my hypothesis, is that somebody as an adult, they can experience that passion, that drive, that pull towards a language. But then what blocks them is that old mindset, that old way of doing things that feels boring, feels laborious, feels like you're never going to get there. The other thing in the school system was that I feel like it cultivates this idea of perfection and this idea that fluency is perfection. Where in reality, fluency, like there is, there are different levels, but there's no term that describes a person who has complete mastery of the language. There's always going to be certain limitations even a native speaker will have. I, I read something before. I think it was about 10,000 words is what the average person in the country will know. Something along those lines, that's not precise, but if something along those lines, that got me thinking then that we would assume that somebody that lived in a country, it's their native language, that they're fluent in that language. And when they make grammatical mistakes, we don't bat an eyelid. But, it's, but a person learning that language who might actually have more vocabulary, but they're making mistakes, their accent is a little bit different, but we can still understand them. Yet we'd probably consider them less fluent than the native speaker. Like, does that make a lot of sense? Like, like those things start to kind of fall apart when you contemplate them, and I think it it frees up, it gives you permission to engage in a process that process that's a bit messy. Thing is, with language learning, if you if you let your passion guide you, you allow yourself to do things that feel like something you want to do. And then over time, you can work on the accuracy. Like it's a false dichotomy. It's not like you either are passionate and reckless about things or structured and rational and passionless. It's like, if you're drawn to something, lead with passion. Then over time, as you start learning new things, you can focus a bit more on accuracy over time as it comes or not. You might decide, I've learned enough here. I'm happy with that. That's the that's the joy of being an adult, choosing to learn something. You don't need to stick to it. You can learn something for a little bit and realize, ah, this isn't really for me. Let's move on to something else. If it's something you're just doing as a hobby in the background, like there's nothing wrong with those things. And you're going to take something for every experience you have. I suppose I'm speaking as a jack of all trades too. And, and one thing that maybe I'm, maybe I'm starting to reconsider but I used to think that the jack-of-all-trades master of none. I used to find that very derogatory. Like, like to say that you are you don't have much knowledge. You just have knowledge across a bunch of unrelated fields. Uh, maybe that was more of an, an ego thing for me. I don't know. I was always find that quite derogatory. But the thing is, there's, there's nothing wrong with being a master or a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. See, the full phrase is a jack-of-all-trades, a master of none but sometimes better, or oftentimes better than a master of one. I think that's the full phrase. So, like there are benefits to being a jack of all trades. 
there's obviously cons to it because you can't go fully deep in one field but the thing is I think being a jack of all trades there is actual depth to it in the sense that you can move between fields when you start to see that if you so for me being a jack of all trades I realized that key terms in a field they have a disproportionate level of value to just a random word so I would have learned that from translation especially I was doing so in my masters I was doing a so I'm a lot better than French than Spanish because I did my degree in French spent time in France I did no qualifications in Spanish I don't think I even did it to leaving cert never spent an extended period of time in the country yet for my extended translations at the end of my masters I had a better grade in Spanish than French and looking at it it was because the Spanish text that chose to translate, there was less general language that was used in a way that's not conventional. And it was more just general language with key terminology. So it was a medical text. So when I got to grips with the key terminology, the text itself was rather straightforward because the general language was of everyday language whereas with the French text I translated it was psychoanalysis so there wasn't actually that many well there probably was key terms but they used general language like that their the way they formulated sentences or the way they use certain words was not the common way we used them that's what made the French text more difficult to translate but anyway being a jack of all trades helps me to see that those types of things. So that's where your depth is. And then if you get engaged in that for long enough, too, I suppose I engaged in that first by learning different languages. Then I moved between fields, like with programming. Uh, I did kind of desktop support, kind of computers. I would have moved between fields and that's all teaching you to look beyond the surface level words. So that's where the depth is in being a jack of all trades. So it mightn't be like a master programmer I mightn't be a master of French but I've got my depth comes from the ability to see beyond the surface of the words I mightn't be able to go as deep as somebody who spent a lot longer in that field but I'll be able to go deep quicker than the person who's never ventured outside their field because I know where the I have a sense where the disproportionate value is so that's something to keep in mind anyway in terms of how I got into jack of all trades there I suppose jack of all trades is that's where my passions have led me because I was even thinking about that recently how the hell did I end up in programming after doing a master's in translation it was like I almost forgot about the translation but I think it was my passion just kept moving me forward towards where I am now and I think a part of the passion too is that what makes it a bit exciting is that you don't fully know where you're going to end up with when you follow your passion on things. You don't know for sure what impact you're having. And it gets you out of the mindset of, of preempting what people want. And you're more in a mindset of what do I need? Express that. And hopefully that's what other people actually need. They might think they want something else, but they actually need this. So that's, that's all the stuff you kind of get into. I think that's what, that what Henry Ford said before, if you asked people when they were creating the car 
when they were still riding around on horses, what would he? What would they like him to do? I think it was like uh, they liked him. He would have given them more horses or quicker horses or something like that, instead of an actual car. But but that's it anyway. That's the passion episode. Wanted to share some thoughts on that. I wanted to express it because I think it's a core thing. If you're in the arts and humanities, if you are not allowing yourself to connect with your passion, then I think the the impact you have is going to be limited. And I suppose I can only speak about that in terms of the impact I feel I have on myself in terms of I, I feel more alive than I did when I started this and in terms of the people I might meet one-to-one where I might actually get some feedback about what I'm doing that's been a positive to them. So focus on that too with the impact because I used to have the tendency to focus on impact in terms of numbers and views and reach all these social media metrics whereas the impact I can't speak to that impact because I'm no in nowhere I'm not even except I'm not even average in terms of that but in terms of I suppose when I talk about impact it's more the impact you're having on yourself and in the, the people you meet who give you feedback on what how what you're doing is affecting them but that's it anyway hope that's been of use and of value if you've listened if you enjoyed listening to this podcast I'd appreciate it if you give a rating and review subscribe to the YouTube channel or on my email address on my YouTube channel if you want to reach out I like having conversations with people so feel free to reach out so thanks again for listening and I will speak to you on the next episode